today and uh, just thought what was in there was such a blessing. And I will read you a paragraph or two, okay? This is day 23, because you probably hadn't, how many here you read it today already? See, nobody. Okay, good. So I'm going to read you the first couple paragraphs, and then you can go home and pick up the rest of it. But day 23, because today's the 23rd, isn't it? Okay. Day 23 is called Don't Even Think About It. This is from Fearless. And the purpose of this book is to find fear in your life. No, yes, yes, yes. It's to find fear, uh, or I should say it this way, to identify fear in your life and then like a, a, a baseball player hitting a ball to send it out of the park, out of your life. Um, and what happened to day 23? Oh, come on. Things changed on me as I was, you know, paper books don't do that, do they? Philippians 4, 8, in the New Living Translation, just listen to it. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So that's the scripture. And then it says, notice what's missing from the list of above. There's no mention of things that are frightening, worrisome, threatening, or ominous. Our thoughts are to be restricted only to the attributes listed above. If it's not on the list, it's not in our life. Yes, but this is a real issue in my life. It's true. It may be true, but is it lovely and worthy of praise? And is it the highest truth? If God's word addresses your situation, then his word becomes what's true, not your issues. We must develop spiritual skill learning to replace our thoughts with God's thoughts. And then one more paragraph. We all face similar challenges in this area. Each of us at times will be faced with opportunities to yield to thoughts of worry and anxiety. Well, that's just normal. That's just natural, many would say. They're correct. However, normal and natural is unacceptable for the believer. Anxious thoughts are fearful thoughts and must be resisted. Praise the Lord. And then it goes on and on and on and on. But I just thought I'd give you just a little taste. Day 23. Amen. So day 23 blessed me. So I thought I'd bless you with some of that. Um, I want to, if you'll receive it. And let, oh, by the way, let you, you might wonder where uh, the queen is today. My queen, Pastor Amy, to you. Praise the Lord. She, uh, she took off. Uh, God, God blessed. Uh, my son in California had been looking for a vehicle. Um, he's out there and, you know, he had, he had a kind of what you'd call almost a gas guzzler. It's not great on fuel, but he had a nice Jeep that he's had for since he started driving. And uh, he'd been looking for something different because fuel is like five bucks a gallon out there. So uh, he found something he liked, but you can't get them out there. And so we found one just the other day, just kind of showed up and there it was in my face. And uh, we found one here and they weren't charging the extra 7,500 bucks that they're charging out there to find one. So he flew here yet, uh, just Friday night, bought it yesterday, and Amy's helping him drive because I fly out today and both of us are ministering at World Harvest Bible Training Center out there this week. So we won't be meeting on Tuesday this week, just so you know. And uh, that's what we're up to. And then we'll be back here next week. Have you figured out yet that we are not just playing around with this on Sunday mornings, that we're serious about this? And uh, it's not just a side thing to us. I want you to understand that. I get busy with, my, with, with uh, 
the other ministry activities we have, but I always would rather be here. And I'd all, I'm always thinking about what's going on here when I'm not here. And uh, it's, it, in, in some cases, it's God's plan for the pastor to be there every week or different ones. In this case, Amy's the one that's normally here. It's the plan of God for me to be traveling more than I'm here. But, uh, but we are very committed. I want you to know that we're very committed. In case you can't, I think you know that. But, I, but on days like today, you know, when it's, a, it's maybe a real small crowd, uh, I, I like to remind everybody that we're not doing anything small here. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, the fact that you're here, it means something, especially the smaller numbers. Um, we've had two, three times this many, and, but the, we, we don't right now. So we just, we just uh, love who we have and even love who we don't have. <laughs> Praise God. And believe for the increase. Believe God for the increase. And we prepare for this as though it was hundreds or thousands of people. Amen. Amen. And I, I, could, I could show you my, my wife. She is diligent about getting before God and finding out what she's supposed to minister. And how many you here you enjoyed the last couple of weeks oh, yeah. with her ministering on the coming of the Lord? Amen. That's, a, that's an amazing subject. And I'm actually going to pick up on that today. And uh, before she even knew she was going out of town, she asked me if I would kind of uh, not clean up after her because I'd, I listened to both of those messages. I was, I was gone for, if you would, thank you. I was gone for one of the weeks. I was here last week. I thought that it was just outstanding. And the word is outstanding, isn't it? Um, so she said some great things. I mean, she taught us, she taught us just, just that Jesus, of course, is coming. And last week we talked about that he is coming when? Anybody know when he's coming? Soon. He's coming soon. You might say that sounds like a cop out. It is the truth. It is the truth. And uh, she made mention of the fact that anytime uh, anybody's had a, any minister or whoever has had a, a major visitation from the Lord, whether the Lord's appeared to them or, or just talked to them or whatever, he's always emphasized to them this. Tell my people I'm coming soon. There's one minister, uh, well, you probably know his name, Brother Jesse Duplantis. Years ago, actually, this is decades ago now, he actually got caught up to heaven, went to heaven and, got, and, and actually got a tour and shown, shown around heaven. And the, before he came back to earth, the Lord, the Lord talked to him and said, you tell my people that I'm coming soon. And, and he answered and he said, well, Lord, they know that. And he, Jesus said, no, they don't. No, they don't. So who are we going to listen to? If Jesus said we don't know it, it might mean we don't know it like we need to know it. And so there's some, there's some things there. And I'll tell you what, in, my, in the church that I pastored in New York, I, I look back and think about it. And I can't remember but one time in 11 years ministering on this subject, maybe, uh, maybe just for one service. I, don't, I know I'd never ministered like a series of messages on this. And I thought about it. Well, one reason I didn't is because I was conf as confused as most people about, what, you know, about the end times. Because you just hear the end times. It kind of sounds ominous. It kind of sounds like, oh, man, you know, uh, <laughs> scary stuff, uh, movie stuff. But uh, there is a purpose and a plan that God has for, for the days that we're living in. And over the years and since those years, God's given me more and more revelation on this subject to where, to me, it's one of the most precious things in the scripture. One of the most important things for the believer to get involved in and understand because of this one truth, what we do here on earth affects 
his return. What we do here affects his return. And so I'm going to have you turn in your scriptures today to the fifth chapter of James. James chapter five. Glory, glory, glory. And my wife read a uh, one verse or, or we studied one verse out of James chapter five in the uh, I believe last week or the week before. And it was the eighth verse. Where it says this, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And in the Amplified Bible, it says the coming of the Lord is very near. Can you say very near? Very near. His coming is at hand. And, and I just loved, uh, I, you know, my illustration. Put your hand out in front of your face. That's how close things is. In other words, we're right upon it. Now, one of, the, one of the most important things or lessons that I learned about this subject is something that I did hear my wife say, I believe the first week that she preached on it. And that's this, that this subject of the coming of the Lord is not just one uh, well, it, it, it's one big event, if I could say it this way. It's one big event, but this big event features many stages. And I use the illustration because years ago I was watching, um, I was eating my lunch. We lived in Parker at the time. We had just moved to Colorado. And in, in my house there in Parker, we were, uh, I was eating lunch and I had the television on. I was home alone and I turned it to, uh, it, it was probably already on the Home and Garden channel because my wife, but I turned it off that. And I put it on a proper channel like ESPN. You understand? And so uh, we, got, we got it off. I mean, she watches the Holy Ghost Television Network, HGTV. But I, I watch ESPN. I'm not sure what that stands for. But anyhow. So, and they had, a, they had a bicycle race on. And everybody was racing these bikes. And then there was a big wreck. And that was fun to see while you're eating, you know, and all that. And it said on the bottom, it said Tour de France. I'm like, ah, familiar with that big bike race. And so I got finished with my lunch. I turned off the TV and went back to whatever I was doing, for, uh, working that day. And then a day or two later, same thing. I go to eat lunch and I turn on the television, put it on ESPN and a bike race is on. I said, man, this must be the season for bike races. And I said, I wonder what this one is. And, and all of a sudden I see the same wreck. No, no, I didn't see the same wreck. <laughs> I saw the same title is what I was meant to say pop-up, Tour de France. I'm like, this must be a rerun. They don't have anything new to put on. But it wasn't a rerun because it was different than what I'd seen the day before, different scenery and all that. And I found out that the Tour de France is a multi-stage race. Multi-stage, meaning they'll have a stage one day and then the guys all go home and sleep in a hotel and there's no winner yet. And then they'll get going the next day. And I don't know how many days it goes. Anybody know how many days that goes? Uh, it's multi-stage. So there you go. We, it goes for days until they have a winner of that race. Well, I saw that and the Lord ministered to me. That's what the coming of the Lord is like. It's one big event with many stages. But instead of, instead of a different stage taking place every day, there's sometimes hundreds or thousands of years in between stages. But it's all part of what we call the end times, the coming of the Lord, the return of Christ, 
the day of the Lord. There's so many terms used in scripture. Most of the time it's referring to the whole event. But if you read the context, you can tell whether it's referring to the big whole event or a particular stage. The first time, the first day, a couple weeks ago when Pastor Amy was preaching, she mentioned over in um, first, first Thessalonians chapter 4, where it says that the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead of Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord with the clouds in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Anybody read that passage? What do we know that as? Anybody know what term we use to, to that thing where, where the graves open, people come out and we who are alive and remain, all of us together get caught up. You know what that term's called? I will tell you eventually, but I'm going to let you sit there and think about it. We call it the rapture. And there's folk that argue about that and say the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, that, that term caught up in the Latin is raptizo. That's where they get the term rapture. But the, that word caught, that phrase caught up is what we know as the rapture or the catching away of the church. And when most people think of the coming of the Lord, they think, well, that's the event. Well, no, that, that, that's one stage of the entire event because Jesus doesn't even come back to earth at that time. We're caught up to meet him. Multi-stage. Everybody think of that multi-stage, one big event. And that, I tell you, that helped me to rightly divide the scriptures regarding this subject. And it'll help you too, because it ought to be the case that when you read things like that, you don't just say, oh, whatever. That's for the end time teachers. That's for the prophecy teachers. If it's in the word, who's it for? All of us, all of us. And uh, over in James, did you find out? I gave you about 15 minutes to find it in James chapter five. If you're there. I'll praise the Lord, everybody. Listen, I'm, I'm, having, I'm having fun preaching today because I get to read. Uh, I already read to you the eighth verse, didn't I? But I want to read to you the seventh verse. And let me tell you about James 5, verse 7. Before you read it, look up here and let me tell you something about it. If I had to pick just one verse to preach on this whole subject, and if I had to pick just one verse to explain to you what God's doing in our day and where we are in the plan of God, it would be James 5, 7. I preach this everywhere I go, but I rarely get to preach it here. So here we are. I've been set up the last two weeks. And now we, now we can preach it. James chapter 5, verse 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until what? The coming of the Lord. And it says this, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. Then that next verse says, you also be patient, establish your hearts. Isn't that interesting? He says, establish your hearts. What's that mean? Get this settled down on the inside of you. Get this in you so well that nobody can pull it out of you. Be settled, not tossed. Yeah. Salads get tossed. Right. Christians need to get settled. Hello? <laughs> I'm not going to order a settled salad. That wouldn't be good. That would be disgusting. But I, I don't mind a tossed salad. What's, what's that mean? It's light. It's, it's light. You know, a salad, you can move it around anywhere you want. Come on, Christians ought to be like concrete. You ever order, uh, go to a, a, like, like a, a Culver's where they have, do they call them concretes there? 
Where the, yeah, and like at Dairy Queen, they have the blizzards, and they'll turn them upside down to show you this thing is so settled. Amen. And if you put it in you, you're going to have that in you. Amen. Do what you want with that. I love them myself. I can't, can't eat them too much. But you, you and I ought to be settled regarding this subject of the coming of the Lord. Not tossed. Not tossed. But back to verse 7. This verse, actually, if we look through all this verse, and if you give me a few minutes, just a few, you know, like if I said, how many give me five, and you raise your hand, I'd count five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Okay. If you give me a little bit of time, I want to show you some things that will help you understand, uh, first of all, when Jesus is coming back. Because that's everybody's question, isn't it? When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And then a lot of folk dismiss themselves by saying, well, you know, you can't know because the Bible says no man knows. The Bible does not say that. The Bible does not say no man knows. The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. And that's true. But the Bible does not say no man knows when he's coming in a general fashion. It's possible while it's not possible to know the day or the hour, it is possible to know the times and seasons. Oh, I hope you're enjoying church today, guys. This is, this is good and it's going to get gooder. So what, what do we do? Because this, this puts us right here at this thing called the coming of the Lord. What, what are we to do with all this? The first thing we're to do, it says, be patient. Therefore, brothers, till the coming of the Lord. Now, Patient, I've got to take a minute and tell you what patient means in the Greek language. It doesn't mean what every parent thinks it means. Because when you have a young one and they're, they're uh, in a car on a trip. And five minutes into a seven hour journey, you hear it. Are we there yet? And you're like, oh my Lord, you didn't last Five minutes. And because you didn't last five minutes, we're not even going to bother to like try to explain that it's seven hours, six hours, 55 minutes left. We don't know. We don't even say that. We, what do we say? We say we get there when we get there. And then you'll say just be what? Patient. And what do we mean by just be patient? We mean disengage. Don't even try to figure this out. Just let it happen when it happens. Isn't that what we mean when we tell our young ones, just be patient. Here's an iPad. Here's some headphones. Here's a movie. Just be patient. And that is not what this word patient means. It does not mean it'll happen when it happens. Just disengage and don't worry about it. That's not what this means at all. The word patient in the Greek actually means the ability to remain steadfast in faith under a test or trial. The ability to remain steadfast in faith under a test or trial. The Bible says Abraham with faith and patience inherited the promises. So that's what this means. It doesn't mean to disengage. It actually means the opposite. It means to engage, but be steadfast all the way. So that's what we're to do. We're to be patient, engaged, and in faith, and doing our part until the coming of the Lord. Now, it says this, see how the farmer 
waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it. How many know that if a farmer plants a farm and he's patient the way we tell our kids to be patient, that thing is going to be disgusting, right? And it's not going to produce for him. No, what does the farmer do? What kind of patience does he have? He steadfastly tends to that garden until that thing comes up and it's time to pull it out. Now, when he says, see how the farmer waits, that's interesting because uh, in Scripture, in the New Testament, Jesus over in John 15 said, I am the true vine. Remember that? He said, I don't have time, time to turn there to all these, but I am the true vine and my father is King James says the husbandman or other translations say the gardener or the farmer. How many know God's a farmer? What did he plant? He planted a seed called his son in the earth three days, three nights. And he rose again so that God could receive many sons to glory. We call that what? God receiving people. Uh, people coming out of darkness into light, people coming out of death into life. What's that? That's called the harvest. That's called the harvest. So we could say this, see how the father, who is a farmer, see how the father waits. What's he waiting for? The precious fruit of the earth. We don't use that phrase, but what's that talking about? In a garden, in a garden the precious fruit would be the harvest that comes up that you pick, that you kept the weeds out, that you worked, that you were patient with. Why hasn't Jesus yet come? Because the Father is waiting. You might say, that's obvious. Well, he's not waiting the way most people think he's waiting. Most people, when they think the Father's waiting, you know what they think he's waiting for? That day and hour that no man knows that's on the celestial calendar. And there's folk, that, there's folk in the body of Christ that they're all consumed with numbers and trying to see if we can put all these numbers together to make us figure out when Jesus is coming. It don't work that way because, and this might be news to you because it was news to me because I believed this for a lot of years. I believed that uh, if heaven had a calendar with, remember those old, uh, those old calendars where each page was a day and you pulled the page off and then you pulled another page off well if heaven's been doing that for these thousands of years and all that stuff that makes it all stick together is just you know all gooey on top you have all that and all of a sudden you get to a day with a red circle around it in heaven and an angel says well father look at look at what today is and it's got the red circle around it and underneath is written Jesus comes And I believed that. Anybody here, you'd, you'd admit you believed some form of that? That there is a date that's secret, that no one knows. And on that date, regardless of what's going on and what's happening, Jesus is coming back. Do you know that's not accurate? That's not true? That's not scriptural. And that's not what the Father is waiting for. He is waiting, but he's not waiting for the day on the calendar. What's he waiting for? The precious fruit of the earth. He's waiting for his harvest. Again, what is his harvest? His harvest is people. Listen, God so loved the world 
that he gave his son that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. He sowed Jesus, planted Jesus so that he could receive a harvest. He's not willing that any should perish. We ought not be willing that any should perish. When we see people, we shouldn't just see bodies. We should see eternal spirits. Amen. And we ought to wonder about them. Are they headed the right direction? Are they going the right place? Praise the Lord. So God is waiting not for a particular day, but he's waiting for his harvest. Now you might say, well, it might not be harvest time yet. And people who read this, sometimes they think wrong about this. They think, well, God's waiting for his harvest. He's waiting for it to be harvest time. No, he's not waiting for it to be harvest time. And I know that because I read John chapter four. Anybody here, you've ever read John chapter four? Where Jesus said, don't say four more months and then harvest. Lift up your eyes and look, for I tell you, the fields are already ripe to harvest. What's he saying? He's saying it's harvest time now. And so God, people think, well, God's waiting for his harvest to be ready. He's waiting for his harvest to be ripe. But I want to tell you, friends, he's not waiting on his harvest to be ripe. He's waiting on his harvest to be reaped. He's not waiting on his harvest to be ripe. He's waiting on his harvest to be reaped. Well, whose job is it to reap the harvest? I'm talking to you about why Jesus hasn't come. When's he going to come? How many are interested? <laughs> You're interested. When's he going to come? He's going to come when the harvest is reaped. But whose job is it to reap the harvest? I'm going to know it's not the angel's job. It's not Jesus' job. He's, he's at the right hand of God, ever living to make intercession for us. It's not his job to reap the harvest. He put us down here. You ever wonder why he left you here once you said yes to him? How many know it would have been easier if you said, Lord, I receive you as my Savior, and boom, you automatically went to heaven? Why, did, why isn't that the case? Because you were ready. You were ready on the inside. You were alive to him. In fact, you were probably, some folk, that's the, that's the most ready they'll ever be. <laughs> why don't you go? He leaves you here because he needs you here. Because it's our job to reap the harvest. So why hasn't Jesus come? The father is waiting. What's he waiting on? He's not waiting on himself to get ready. He's waiting for his harvest. He's not waiting for his harvest to be ripe. He's waiting for his harvest to be reaped. But wait a second. Who's he waiting on then? The reapers of the harvest. Why hasn't Jesus come? Because the father is waiting on us. Boom. I said, the father is waiting on us. What's he waiting on us to do? To get the job done of reaping his harvest. Jesus, before he left and ascended to heaven, he said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He gave us a commission to reap the father's harvest. And we've been at it at some, to some degree for years, but we haven't reaped it enough, evidently, for him to consider the harvest reaped and Jesus to come. When's, when's Jesus coming? When the harvest is reaped. When's the harvest reaped? When the body of Christ gets their <clears throat> in gear, gets their rear ends out of the bed and off the seat and, and off the couch and off the television and they actually get to work and reap the harvest. 
But now, you know, I've been in the things of God now since, well, 1980, January 1st, 1986. I became a Christian. And so all these years, and then starting in 1990, I was in ministry full time. So I've been, I've been at this a long time. And I've seen the body of Christ when the body of Christ was in revival. Matter of fact, I mean, during the 1980s and 1990s, if a church like this one had opened up, even here, preaching the message that we preach, this building couldn't hold the people. You couldn't, you couldn't hold them anywhere. Amen. And so I've seen the body of Christ in revival and I've seen the body of Christ backslidden. And that's where we've been for about 20 years. And some, some of you have never seen revival other than sprinkles of it. But I mean, you haven't, see, you haven't seen it where the lines to get in the service are wrapped around the building. I've seen it. I've been there. I've lived through it. And I've seen, and that's, that should be normal. This is not normal. This is not normal. Amen. And so how are we going to get this harvest reaped? Because, uh, you know, back when I first got saved, the first church I went to said, well, the key is visitation. That's what they called it in the church. What that means is you get a group of people and you go door to door and you knock on the doors and you say, hi, have you uh, have you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? No. Do you want to? No. OK, goodbye. And you go on to the next house or we got smart. We just went to apartment complexes because the doors were closer together. easier. But that didn't get the job done. Hello. And then you might think, well, you know, you, you need to you need to have uh, professional athletes come speak in your church for Father's Day because then the fathers will come and give away the TV, big TV, give away a whole man cave. I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to any of those ideas. Uh, as long as as long as the pastor's spirit led about him, you know, what I mean, as long as he hears from God to do that, that that can be fun. That can be fine. And there's times where you gear the service towards reaching out. You understand? That's, that's perfectly fine. But how many know that hasn't gotten, you can't, they don't make TVs big enough to get the harvest reaped. You're almost helping me today. I'm almost there. They, they don't make man caves big. You can't, you can't have enough, pre, you could have Tim Tebow in. And you, that's not going to get the whole harvest reaped. I mean, he... He's the granddaddy of Christian athletes. You know what I mean? <laughs> and thank God for him. So it is, my point is, this harvest, something needs, to, something needs to happen for this harvest to be reaped so Jesus can come. And it's not what we would call methods or programs or events. That's not getting it done. Something else is going to have to happen to get it done. Do you want to know what that other thing is? Huh? If you're really interested, I'll share it with you. If you're just ready to go, I'll leave you. I'll leave you wondering, I'll leave you hanging. But listen, it's right here in this verse. The farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Now, you... Again, when we read in Leviticus earlier in the offering, we said that rain is God's part. You're not, man's not going to reap this harvest by himself. We're not going to reap it with our good ideas or our great building or our great cafe or this or that. I mean, I remember when we lived in New York, I remember when the church opened up and they built a new building. And they put that we have a in, in Western New York, we have this donut shop called Tim Hortons 
And they have famous coffee and donuts. And I mean, everywhere in Canada and, and up there, they love Tim Hortons. This church put a Tim Hortons in their lobby. And some lady, actually, most of you know Miss Leslie, she came, the first day she came to our church, she said, well, the church down the street has Tim Hortons. What do you have? <laughs> And, and from that day on, I said, well, if you like Tim Horton so much, bring it. That was our first words. That was our first conversation together. She came in and said that. And I said, if you like it so much, bring it. And every day for the next 10 years, she brought Tim Horton's donuts to church as punishment for being a wise, for the wisecrack. <laughs> How many know don't, little donut holes? They're not going to reap the harvest. We need God's part. God's part is what? The early and the late rains. Now I'm going to wrap this up here in, in just a few minutes because time's getting away from us. But I'm telling you, you could preach week after week after week just on this verse. Because this verse, to me, shows us the picture. Now what does that mean, the early and late rains? Well, in a harvest, we understand what that is. That's the part that comes, we'd say rain comes from heaven or comes from the sky above. That comes down and that, it, that gives the seed that's in the ground. It, it gives it what it needs to come up and become full. And we could say that that, uh, that rain, in fact, in scripture, rain and the moving of waters represents the moving and the power of the Holy Spirit all throughout, all throughout the Bible. So what is that rain to the natural harvest? That, that's, something, that's something from another source that comes down. I understand today we can actually have water and, and uh, big contraptions that will water stuff and pipe it in. But I mean, back in the day, it had to rain. Right. Rain represents God's part. Rain represents the supernatural. Rain represents the moving of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Why hasn't Jesus come? The Father is waiting. He's not waiting on himself. He's waiting on his harvest. He's not waiting on his harvest to be reaped. He's waiting for his harvest. I mean, to be ripe. He's waiting for his harvest to be reaped. He's waiting for the rain. What's that? The element that causes the harvest to be reaped is the rain. What, what did we say the rain was? The outpouring of the spirit, the supernatural in manifestation. That's what he's waiting on. But wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. He's not waiting on himself to get ready to send the rain. He's not waiting. He's not waiting until some special time when he pours out his rain. What's it say? He, he waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it talking about the earth, the ground, it does what? Receives. Receives. Didn't say he's patient about it until God decides to send. Do you know that we're not waiting on God to send an outpouring? He's waiting on us to receive. Now, the ground receives the rain. Say that with me. The ground, the ground. receives the rain. You understand that in the natural. If you put a canopy up over your garden, don't be wondering why it's not getting any rain. If you plant your garden inside, yeah. it's not going to do what it does if you plant it outside. Amen. 
right? Now, what is ground, spiritually speaking? Well, how many remember when Jesus talked about four types of ground? The stony ground, right? What was the other one? Uh, the thorny ground, the wayside ground where it was just not no depth to it, and then good ground. And he said that which is planted in good ground brings forth 30, 60, 100 fold. And then when he was talking about good ground, he said, the, he explained it to his disciples later. And he said, that which is planted on the good ground are those who, with an honest and good heart, receive the word. When the Bible talks about ground or earth, spiritually speaking, that represents the heart of man. Where do you receive from God? You don't receive from God with your noodle, with your head, with your mind, with your intellect. Primarily, right? You receive spiritual truths in your spirit and then your mind's enlightened to it. Where's God's rain received? He's waiting on the rain not to be sent. He's waiting on the rain to be received. Where's rain received, spiritually speaking? In, in spiritual ground. In us. He's waiting not for the harvest to receive the rain. He's waiting for his church to receive his rain. The ground, spiritual ground to receive spiritual rain. And when his church receives his rain, what's the, what's the rain represent? His outpouring. When we receive and cooperate with the outpouring of God. That's right. Amen. Then we're able to carry it. To the world. And it's not just us knocking on the door saying you want to be a, a Christian. It's not just us saying, come on, we'll give a television. It's us having received the supernatural, carrying the supernatural, and God's able to pour out the supernatural. And that's really kind of similar to Peter and John uh, walking to the temple, uh, to the gate at the hour of prayer. And there's this crippled man standing there, uh, not standing there, sitting there, laying there. Asking for money. And they said, I, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And it actually worked. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. That wasn't just Peter and John the men. That was Peter and John saturated with God because they just come out of Acts chapter 2. I could go on. But wh where are we in the plan of God? Where are we in the body of Christ? Where are we in God's timeline. Why hasn't Jesus come? Well, I won't take you through the whole progression again, but he's waiting for the church to cooperate with his outpouring. Right. When we cooperate with his outpouring, his outpouring can spread. What do you mean cooperate with his outpouring? Cooperate with the flow of the miraculous. Learn his flow. Learn his power. Become conductors of the power of God. And, power, and God's power will multiply and spread. Now we see pockets of this, but I want you to know, I, I, I just say this with all the authority that I can say it with, from, from where, where I go and what I see and what I do, we are not waiting on God to open up some kind of spout. Because what I see is he opens the spout, and then everybody backs off and says, no, I don't want to get wet, I can't get wet today, I can't get out in the run. They put up their spiritual umbrella, and they step out of yeah. the move of the Spirit. They step out of the 
flow of the supernatural. Say, just teach me. Just teach me. Just give me a teaching. I'll just take my teaching and go home. Hello. And we've been doing that now for month after month, year after year. Now for a couple decades to where it looks like, well, God's just not doing those things today. Yes, he is. He's not waiting on himself to send the rain. He's waiting for the rain to be received. For his body to cooperate with the flow of the supernatural and take his reign to the world and reap the harvest. And then Jesus can come. We're in the end times. We're in the last days. We're actually in the first stage of the coming of the Lord, which is the revival stage. But you can't see it with your eyes if you just look around in most churches. Don't look around with, at most churches. Don't look around just with your physical eyes. Look down on the inside. Look in the word of God. And there's places and you'll see it. Their miracles are flowing and they're flowing strong. But it's the body of Christ that needs to cooperate and get in or get out or they'll get run over. Bless the Lord. Did you receive anything today? Yes. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to get to minister to you. I only get to once in a while. And uh, man, my, my wife just like she, she just loaded it and set it up. So all I had to do was come in and, and lay, lay this one verse on you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's give thanks for the word. Father, thank you so much. What a great opportunity to receive from you, to learn these things. Help us to walk in your flow, learn your flow, cooperate with you so the job gets done. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. 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 Well, we'll be seeing you all next Sunday. And if you know anybody else that's normally here, call them and say, uh, we're missing you. You're dismissed. <laughs>